Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Lunch Line with Dr. Barry. I'm your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, your favorite board-certified internist, founder of drbarrypierre.com, as well as the CEO of Pierre Medical Consulting, helping you empower yourself for better health with the number one podcast for patient advocacy, affirmation, and education. This week, we bring you a guest, and I almost call this person like a, a, an originator, OG-type uh, host, right? We bring Dr. Nee Darko, and if you've been around since the my blogging days when my website was just called Dr. Pierre's Blog, because that's all I did, he was one of the premier people who caused me to shift and get into podcasting, right? Like he is the host of Docs Outside the Box. He's a board certified trauma surgeon who is pushing the limits beyond medicine. What's so special about Dr. Darko is that he understood that if he wanted to assert control back in his life in regards to the way medicine kind of runs and operates, that he would need to take financial responsibility and control in his own hands. As a physician, we are typically saddled with insane amount of debt in, in the form of student loans and other things. And for a lot of physicians, that burden carries so much in the decisions we make. I know people who would have probably made great primary care physicians, but because of the burden of the student loans, they say, you know what? They don't pay enough on that field. I'm going to a different field. So even though a field that they would have excelled in, they're in a whole different field because of the pay. And Dr. Darko did not want that to affect his decisions, him and his wife. So they decided to do something about that. And you're going to hear about what they decided to do on this week's podcast. You know, like we like to keep it, especially first of the month, we like to keep it about the business. So he's going to talk about the business, his, his, his business endeavors, and really the mind shift that needed to occur to get the financial freedom that he was looking for so he could make decisions on his own. Like always, remember to subscribe to the podcast. You better leave us a five-star review. I'm looking for them. Leave us a five-star review. And don't forget to uh, follow Dr. Darko. And his information will be uh, at the end of the show. We are so excited to bring a special guest, right? And I, I probably say all my guests are special, but this is a special one. Why? Because if you've been following me since it was just Dr. Pierre's blog, I wrote a blog. And I said, you know what? I want to get into podcasting, right? And I had some motivations. I had some people who I looked up to that got me into the game. And ladies and gentlemen, we have Dr. Nee Darko, who is honestly hosted the Doctors Outside the Box. And the reason why, right, you're probably listening to me on the podcast right now, right? Dr. Nee, thank you for joining uh, our, our episode. I am excited, right, for the game that you're about to give them, especially because we're going to, we're talking about, remember, first of the month, so we're talking about business and medicine, right? And not, no one does it better, nor, nor of a motivating factor for me than this guy right here. Damn, bro. Like, can you be my cheerleader? For like, 
that was a dope intro. That's what I'm talking about, man. I was, I, I'm, I'm hype. I've been I've been waiting. I said, ooh, like, like I've been I've been trying. I've been like I've been trying to find a reason. Like, oh, well, how, how can I get me to like I got to repay him? I said, oh, you know, I'm start talking about like you know what? Me got to be the one. Man, I, I listen. I appreciate everything that you said. It really means a lot to me. You know, um, you know, when I started this podcast five years ago, I literally was just trying to figure out ways that I can interview people who were really successful in their medical careers outside of medicine. I was really interested on how they took those steps. And I said, well, what, I'll just record it. Whoever wants to listen and learn, that's cool, but it's really for me. And the rest is history, and I've learned so much. And it really humbles me, really, really humbles me to know that like you being so successful as you are right now, you helping that many people, that at one point you kind of looked at the podcast, my podcast as you know, this is something that you want to transition to next. So super dope, man. I appreciate that intro. And um, I'm going to hire you as my hype man. Uh, yes, yes, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> so who is Dr. Darko, and why is, you know, Dr. Barry so um, fond of, you know, what he does on a day-to-day in-and-out basis? Who is Dr. Darko? So Dr. Darko is, is, is a, um, he's a father, he's a brother, um, he is a husband, um, and he's also a trauma surgeon. And it took me a long time to be able to answer you in that fashion. If you asked me that five years ago or even 10 years ago, I would have said I'm a trauma surgeon. And um, it took me a while to realize that medicine, trauma surgery, um, really is just what I do. It's not who I am. Mm. And I got, I got, that's, a, that's really, a bar. That's a bar. Yeah, I love it. That's a major key, major key alert. All right. And uh, it took me a while to realize that. Sorry to break your concentration. I know you're probably knee deep into today's episode, but do not forget, check out our lunch and learn community store shop.drberrypierre.com. Remember to use the code empower 10 and make sure you are leaving us a five-star review, especially on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. You know, me conflating medicine with my personality and who I was, was a major problem for me. And I'll tell you why. Um, you know, I grew up in in part, part of the time in New York City and Queens, and then we moved to this town called Irvington, New Jersey, which is right next to Newark. So I grew up watching, you know, TV shows that were medically related. And I knew that that's kind of what I wanted to do with my life. And, um, you know, I just kind of just took that persona on. As I started going up the educational ladder, you know, you just start to conflate the two. Like, oh, okay, medicine is me. I am medicine. And I started making a lot of sacrifices, just like anybody would make sacrifices as they become more professional, whether it's a lawyer, engineer, doctor, whatever it is. You know, so I was missing weddings. I wasn't coming to family events because... You know, I went to medical school, you know, a thousand miles away from home. And then I did residency in Georgia and my family's in Jersey. And then I did additional training in Miami. So there was a lot of things over these next 10, 15 years that I missed out on. And I think when my father had developed prostate cancer, um, I had a decision to make. Do I continue training or do I go home, start working and try to, you know, see what I can do? And that really was like that first step in me saying, wow, like I kind of felt like I lost myself. And this, you know, incident really helped me to kind of reconnect with things that I just felt like I wasn't paying too much attention to. And then the second big thing was me and my wife got married. And when I graduated from medical school, I had $240,000 of student loan debt. My wife Mm -hmm. had the same thing. And after graduating from medical school, we did residency and then we did um, fellowship. 
by the time we got married, we had a total of $660,000 of student loan debt, right? So in that five-year, six-year span of graduating from medical school, the loans had ballooned. So not only did I have you know an issue with my father and wanting to be closer to home, but then also at the same time, I've, we just realized that we were broke, right? We, we couldn't yes. describe it any way and say, you know, Yo, you guys are high income earners. I was like, yeah, we are, but we're broke, right? Because we don't know how to handle our money. We are negative net worth right now, and we're not sure exactly how we're going to get out of it. And that was a major problem. And then also at the same time, like I just happened to be lucky where I had some friends um, who were in medicine who were doing some really amazing things. Nobody was talking about it because it wasn't really in academia, but it was things that I found really interesting and I just wanted to talk to them about it. And all of those things combined with not knowing anything about finances, I was like, well, why don't I share this entire story? And, um, you know, I'm here with you now, five years later. You know, what's, what's interesting, I think that's something that people tend to overlook, especially like when they're on the outside looking in. When you go into like these type of careers, especially medicine, like life happens around you. Right. But you're in like this cocoon of studying and boards and studying and boards and exams and evaluations that like we don't even have the opportunity to even experience what goes around around us. I always say like like I look on Facebook and like some someone's having a baby like and I didn't even realize it. Like and then sometimes that's what kind of reminds you like, oh, my God, people are like doing stuff with their lives while I'm still like going to the library. And, and that could definitely be a very sobering like thought, like as you're going through it, you know, year in, year out, understanding that a lot of us, right, a lot of us lose almost like a decade of our life, right, into this thing we call medicine. Now, of course, we love, but like we lose a decade of our life uh, and not being able to experience what a normal person experiences kind of throughout. So I, I love that you touched on that. And then even going in, like really the big discussion here, right, is that you go in and you, you finish, right? You complete, you have that goal. Yes, I'm a doctor, right? I'm finishing the fellowship. Wow, I owe a lot of money, <laughs> right? Like, and I think that's what, like, it, it hits people all the time because you said it right on the head. Like, people think, like, all right, just because they're paying us a lot of money, but they don't forget, they, they typically forget, like, we owe a lot of money out here. Like, we're not, like, in as financial of a, you know, a situation uh, that you may think just because someone has to be cutting me a bigger check. Yeah, I, I liken it to when people win the lottery, right? We oftentimes hear those stories of people not paying off or excuse me, not knowing how to control or really make wise decisions when they get this large lump sum of money, right? But really, what's the difference between that and a physician? Like most physicians who are working, like their first job was probably as a resident, right? Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they probably never wrote a check before. Maybe it's possible. They probably never wrote a check before. So to go through this entire time where you're sacrificing, right? Like you said, life is going on around you, but you're spending these next 10 to maybe 12, 15 years really in this cocoon. And then all all of a sudden you finish and then you got to start making these big girl, big boy decisions of how do I pay off my loans? You know, what kind of house do I get? If I get a house, do I get a car? All of these different things. You've never practiced how to do this stuff, Right. And the easiest thing to do is to say, well, you know, I deserve X and I deserve Y. So I'm going to go get it because everybody else is getting it. 
Right. So that it's really it's really interesting you bring that up because I actually did an episode on that uh, about a week ago, two weeks ago, saying life is not a board examination. Right. So people who are not physicians who are listening to this, like we have to take every couple of years, we have to take examinations to show that we have a certain aptitude in certain subjects to move on to next level of training in medicine. Right. But oftentimes what you end up seeing is that we kind of focus are so hyper focused on passing this test that we feel like our life hasn't begun until after that thing is done. Yes. After we after we pass boards or after we graduate from med school or after we finish fellowship. But like you said, like life is going around. Right. And definitely your interest on your student loans is still going on. <laughs> you know? Oh, yes. <laughs> right. So. So, you know, I, I try to tell people, like, stop living your life like this and start realizing that there's a lot of decisions that you can make. There's a lot of things that you can do to really start exercising that ability to make these big boy, big girl decisions. You can make a mistake while you're investing, while you are a resident. It's okay. Right. The stakes actually are lower at that point. You can, you know, start saying no to people. You need to start practicing that while you are a resident, mm-hmm. right? If someone asks you to do something more, yes, you got to take one for the team. But after a while, this starts, this stuff starts to build up and it gets to a point that when you finish, you feel like if you say no, the other person will have some will feel a certain type of way, right. or you feel like you're not playing or being a part of the team, and then you start kind of just, you know, this imposter syndrome that you throw on top of that really lends to this situation where you feel like you're not really living for yourself. You feel like you're kind of just trying to make people happy, and uh, it builds up, and you can get physician burnout from that. So, um, it's really important. That that's a lots of game going on right there, y'all. Yeah. Lots of game. Mm-hmm. Now uh, let's t- let's talk about. You, you graduate, you know, you're, you're getting you're getting your checks right. And then you start you start looking at those Sally May or Navian or whoever it is. And you're looking at those high statements. Let's talk about your relationship with money like then versus your relationship with money now. Yeah, I mean, my relationship with money before the, the Navient and Sally May really started like coming down was what most people think. Oh, you're a doctor. You're going to be making a lot of money. And and. I think at that point, I didn't realize that I was bringing in money and realizing that the whole notion of it is not really about how much you make. It's about how much you keep, right? Because there are plenty of people who make thousands of dollars less than we do, multiples of thousands of dollars less than we do, that are financially independent, that are millionaires, twice over, three times over, four times over. So if they can do it, then why can't we do it, mm. right? And really, a lot of it has to do with not the total amount of money that you're bringing in, but how much you're keeping. So I think at that point, you know, we had to have a reckoning and realize we were broke. What are we going to do about it? And we started looking for for three months. We actually did an Excel spreadsheet where every month we would go back and calculate how much we were spending. And we found out that we were spending money just kind of willy nilly, not on extravagant things, but just things in life. You know, like we were spending, you know, I'd be at the hospital a lot, a large period of time. Same thing as my wife. So, you know, we were spending a lot of money at the cafeteria. But then also we were buying like perishable groceries and it was just us too at the time. Mm. But because we we're at work all the time, we didn't have time to cook. So we we're wasting money, you know, at the grocery store. We we're wasting uh. money even at the cafeteria. So we decided that, wait, we need to really change this. Let's go to $200 a month of groceries and go from there and see what happens. And actually, it stuck for three years. We didn't know that. We thought it was going to be $200 a month for like a couple of months, and it will increase from there. But we actually stuck to it. Then, um, you know, we realized also that, you know, we're spending, you know, just exorbitant amount in the cafeteria 
why don't we give ourselves $100 each for the entire month and then also bring, you know, bag lunches and all of those different things. And then you start realizing when you're doing this budget, you're like, wait, because we clamp down here, we have all of this money here now that we can put towards our student loans that we could even put towards savings. And we followed that and we rinsed, wash, and repeat. We made a bunch of mistakes. We argued a bunch about it. I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat things. And then after a while, you started looking. We're like, wait, Sally Mae and Navient says that we have 15 years or 20 years to pay back this debt. We went to the calculators and realized that $662,000 in their calculator would amount to $1.2 million of principal and interest after everything is done. We're like, yeah, I don't like that. Right. So then when we started doing the math and we started doing the budget, we're like, wait, we have all this additional money that we can put on top of our loans. We can save and get our emergency fund, which we did. But this additional money, if we do this, we can drop 20 years down to 10. And then if we make even more tweaks, we can go from 10 to five. Mm. And then if we, if I pick up another job, which I did, we can go from five to three. And we decided to do that mainly because of those things that I mentioned earlier, but also at the same time, we were at a point in our lives where we we're like, you know what? Maybe we want to practice in Africa. Maybe we want to practice. My wife is Haitian. Maybe we want to practice in Haiti, right? We want to be able to have the freedom to do the things that we really want to do. We don't want to have to go to work because we have to pay for X, Y, and Z. I remember at this point, <coughs> at this point, we don't have kids, right? So some things change. But that was our mindset. We really realized that money before we were kind of willy-nilly with it, but then we kind of realized that money was a tool. And that tool was going to be able to get us control and get, allow us to do the things that we really wanted to do with our degrees. And uh, I mean, first of all, first of all, great, great, definitely segue, especially when we talk about the aspect of money and the tool of money. And I like that you kind of mentioned, right, control. Did you guys feel that there was just a lack of it? Because you had, you know, these these levels of debts and maybe the financial literacy wasn't there where you wanted to be. Did you feel like you just had a lack of control of your money, of just your circumstances in general before, like, you guys made the change? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, first of all, like, you just, you know, finding out that we're, we're in so much debt. Also, I didn't mention to you that, you know, we had a financial advisor who, um, you know, had us in some things that I thought were pretty questionable at that point. Um, and there was a point where we were spending more money, like per month, we're putting more money into a whole life plan, whole mm-hmm. life insurance plan than we were towards our student loans. So, you know, for me, there was a lot of stress and a lot of control and not understanding how my money was being invested, how money, um, how money works in general, and that I was reliant on one, somebody else to make those decisions but was that person really acting in me and my wife's best interest? So that was another thing that was just really difficult for us to deal with, right? It's like this guy is making decisions and we can't even double check, right? We don't even know how to mm-hmm. double check. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's what is a big thing, especially, and we, I know you've talked about it a lot because I obviously listen to your podcast, right? You talked a lot about the, you know, this, this aspect of, I don't want to say false information, but definitely information you know, not being given to us, especially us physicians in the manner that it should be. So we're typically led astray to, you know, get down products that we probably shouldn't get to. And even, and, and, I, and you've talked about this, 
like I'm, it, it wasn't as if everyone was like, yeah, that's a great idea, like paying down your debts, right? Like that, like, which sounds crazy to anybody else, right? To anybody else, if we, if they say, hey, I want to start, you know, working on paying my debts down, people be like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a smart idea. But for some reason, you guys didn't get like the fanfare that you probably would have expected when you were telling people like, oh, no, we're going to knock out these student loans. Like that's priority number one for us. Now, people at, at our works were like, they thought I was, we were crazy because the, the first thing they would ask is, hey, when are you guys going to get a house, right? Because for the people at work or particularly administrators, when you get a house, that means that you are invested in the community, right? So they would ask those questions of when are you guys going to get a house? And we're like, we ain't getting a house. Like we got a mortgage already. Like Sally Mae owns it. Navient owns it. We ain't paying. We ain't buying no house, right? Mm-hmm. We had a three bedroom apartment that was 900 bucks a month. Like you can't beat that. <clears throat> you can't beat that. So we were just like, okay, we're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to do this. And then like, you know, you pull into the things like pulling into the physician's parking lot. You know, my wife has a Toyota Corolla. I have a Hyundai Santa Fe, you know, you're parking right next to a Porsche. We're like, eh. you know, there's, there's grandeurs that, you know, you like, ah, I want this thing. That's really nice. But in the whole scheme of things for us, we realized that the greatest asset for us was mobility. And the greatest asset for us was to be able to say no to something and walk away. And if that meant us continuing to drive used cars and so forth, we were willing to do it. So, yeah, there was a lot of people at work were like, you guys are crazy. You guys are bringing in bag lunches. You guys are doing X, Y, and Z initially. But then after like year two and then definitely year three when we celebrated that we paid off debt and we started going on different podcasts and all these different things talking about it, that's when people were like, oh. Now we kind of understand what's going mm-hmm. on because once we walked away from our hospital that we worked at and, and we walked away from being employed and we're like, yeah, we just want to work here as independent contractors just as 1099. They're like, but we're like, yeah, I mean, worst case scenario, we'll just go someplace else, which right. we could. Right. That was when people were just like, now I know why you did that. We're like, yeah. You know, or, you know, during that time, we wanted to go to Africa to do some humanitarian work in Ghana. I didn't ask anybody for, you know, when I wanted time off. I just told them, listen, the week of or the two weeks of August, you know, late August into September, we're out, you know. And since I was an independent (laughs) contractor, that was it. You know, so for us, that became really powerful, like more so than having a Tesla in the backyard, more so than having a really nice house for us at that moment. That was extremely powerful to say we want to do, leave, practice how we want to want how we want to without anybody being able to input into that outside of me and my wife. Ooh. And uh, lunch lunch to me, I want I want you guys to really kind of pay attention, you know, to what you know Dr. Nidarko is saying is because a lot of the conversations I have, right, with you know, especially our colleagues now. And they talk about, you know, the stress of work. They talk about the stress of, you know, having to get up, you know, deal with COVID, all those other things there. What they're really saying is that I don't have the control I want in my life, despite I put a decade of education in. And I still have to go to work, right? I still have to clock in or whatever that, like, I still have to do those things. And and you hear Dr. Docker talk about how once they were able to wrestle away, you know, that, that, that burden of debt, all of a sudden the freedom and the control was theirs. And when I talk to doctors, you know, you know, my colleagues, even nurses, when I talk to, just talk to people in our field, like you could, like, even though they say like, oh, I work too many hours or I'm not making enough money. Everything I hear is like, oh, I just don't have the control to do what I want. 
And and so it's it's interesting. And I, again, I love y'all guys' story that you guys are able to say, you know what, I'm going to make this sacri- sacrifice, which it, which is sad that we even have to call it a sacrifice. Like I'm going to pay down my debt, right, for the next three years, and then I'm going to do whatever I want, and I want to be able to do whatever I want. That's why that's why I love you guys' story because of it, because it it really speaks on the importance of freedom and control, especially when we, especially in a time like this, when all you hear is burnout and they're fed up and they're ready to quit. And a lot of it just screams, I just don't have the control of my own life. And quitting is the only way I can try to wrestle some of that control back. Yeah, because most people, whether you want to be a nurse or you want to be a physician or you want to be a physician assistant or whatever healthcare provider that you wanted to be when you just started, there was this idealistic notion or view of what you had. And then when you get on the other side, there's a corporatized view. Um, you know, mm. there's a more realistic view. Mm. Now, it's a beautiful thing to take care of people. It's amazing. It's still the most amazing thing out there. But there are many factors that if you're not intentional, will kind of, I don't want to say dilute, but can kind of impact that picture that you had initially. <coughs> and and we've, we've seen that. We've we've they've they've been doing studies where they're even looking at medical students from like year one to year four, and even their scores are lower because of that rosy picture that they had of what they were going into ain't as rosy like by their fourth year. So like like it's like when I used to think about burnout, I was always assuming it was something like a person a doc who's been in for like 10, 15 years, and you know, did like nah, like. I got a lot of colleagues like, and I'm, I am, I am what, seven years out of residency, right? So less than 10, like I got a lot of colleagues year by year three and five, they were talking like, okay, we got to, I might, I need, I might need to do something different. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And it's, it's intense, right? Right. Being a healthcare professional is intense. And, um, you know, I think that people felt this way 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 30 years ago. They just didn't know how to say it or they didn't know who to talk to or there weren't there wasn't podcasts, there wasn't YouTube mm-hmm. videos. There wasn't this ability to have this like community. <clears throat> you kind of felt like you were on an island by yourself, right? And now that there's this community of people out there saying, Yeah, no, nah, I don't want to do that for the rest of my life, or yeah, this is how I feel. Now you're starting to see a, a huge community that's building around this, and physician burnout is becoming a real thing. And unfortunately, we're recognizing more that suicide within the physician realm, within the healthcare realm, is a major problem. We need to do something about it. Now, I think that um, you know, because medicine is so cor- corporatized, I don't know if there's necessarily an answer that's gonna fix it. I don't think there's one answer. What I tell medical students, what I tell young residents, um, what I tell attendings is, listen, like, like an answer is not going to come from the sky. So what you have to do is you really have to just live your life and be the change that you want to see in medicine. So for me, the change for me is I realized that, you know, there's not going to be like a Darko technique that I'm going to discover. At least I don't have the, you know, the, the need for that right now. But I want to leave, if I leave this earth at this moment, I want my kids to know that I was fully involved in their lives. Um, I also want the legacy knowing that I did my part in making the physician realm feel or make that conversation much more easier for people to discuss that, hey, like I enjoy what I want to do. And I I really went gung-ho 
with being a doctor. There was a point where I com- I made a mistake in trying to say that knee is a trauma surgeon, a trauma surgeon is knee. And there was some mistakes that I made, but I picked up, I changed pace and I was able to really change the concept of what I do to literally just being what I do and it not affecting my personality. And I want to make it that easier for people to have that conversation of, I love my patients. I just don't want to do it all the time. Right. <laughs> I, as Dr. Dre says, as Dr. Dre on Birch says, I love my patients, but I love myself too. And that's mm-hmm. all right. You know? And, um, you know, I think that that's really important because I can sit here and talk to you about the mathematical equations of how to pay your debt off quick, or, you know, should you invest versus should you pay off your debt or, um, how to reach financially independent, retire, you know, early numbers or, you know, all of these different things that I can talk to you, but what, you know, this right here, you know, um, uh, if people who are not listening, who can't see it, I'm patting my chest, you know, that, mm-hmm. 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 right? Like that, right? From Wolf of Wall Street, like <laughs> that feeling, right? Like that is an emotion that you can't describe, right? And that's where that control comes in. That's where that ability to say, you know what? Like, I really got to grab my life by the reins and really live it the way I want to live it. Not the way my medical society says not the way my, you know, my supervisor at work says, Ooh. really under my terms. I love it. So when you when you guys make that transition and you get to the, I, I call it, it was like the end of the rainbow. When you get to the end of the rainbow and the debt's gone, right? No more debt. Like, what is that? Because tr- like, I, I always kid it because like, when, you, when you reach a goal and you're like, oh, okay, I'm here. Like, what do I do next? Like, what, what, what do you guys do next once you hit that goal? And there is that debt load isn't there anymore, but you're still budgeting, right? You're still as, as, you know, as as financially responsible as possible. Like, what do you do with this extra money? Right. So what we did is, is I just want to be clear to everyone. So we still put during this time where we're paying off debt, debt was the priority, but we were still able to put enough into our 401ks where we got the match. Right. So that was always like the, the minimum. Then we always put enough in to at least max out our traditional IRAs at the point, right? Or Roth IRAs, whichever point you're at. And then that was pretty much it. We made sure we had an emergency fund. And then we had a line item for student loan debt. And that was it. I love it. So when we paid off our debt, and I'm not going to front, like there was no balloons. There was no, you know, streams or nothing like that. It would have been for me. It would have been for me. I'm just looking at Navia and that thing says a big goose egg zero. He's like, yo, this is so amazing. But what we did initially or what we do now is that line item just gets deleted. And then we move it from a, from a liability to, you know, an asset. And we just make that our new thing for savings. And that's what we do. We save, we save, we invest, we invest, we invest, we invest in ourselves. We invest in our children with a 529. We invest, you know, uh, you know, and the next thing now is how can we try to replace our income with working, right? Like how do we get a chance to make sure that what we do so that what basically what I'm trying to say is how do we make sure that like we can do other things and still get an income from it? And so we started getting into real estate, which we are right now. Um, we have some bumps and bruises from it, but it's okay. We're still willing to do it. Um, we're just willing to do different things right now so that we're not so reliant on having to show up every day and go to a hospital. If you ask most people who are professionals, 
who are financially independent, who retire early. Like I was listening, there's a couple that's in Portugal. Um, there are a couple, they're called um, Outreach Journey and they're amazing. And they did, um, they, they worked for the federal government and they saved up over 10 years and they saved up over $2.5 million. And then they moved to Portugal and, you know, they made a video essay talking about like the ability to literally just wake up at like six in the morning and make breakfast for my wife or take my kids to school or, you know, bring my kids back from school or literally just go for a walk and go on a bicycle ride. Like you don't understand how valuable that is when you are busy working all the time. You don't realize until you have to do it. Now, I'm not saying I want to do that precisely, but what I'm saying is is those are the things that, you know, you just don't think about, you know, when you're in the grind. And, you know, now that we've been able to turn that line item from debt and make it into savings, we're just like, okay, that's great. We need to stash cash, but also at the same time, we need to learn how to replace income. So that's what we're going through right now is we're turning, we're trying to make big boy, big girl decisions and say, okay, Maybe we can have a rental or a couple of rentals or several rentals yes. and get income from that. Oh, let's maybe talk. We, I love it. Maybe we can continue to podcast and get income from that, right? So that eventually when they ask, hey, who can work this weekend? I don't have to raise my hand, right, for work. I could be like, oh, no, no I don't want to work this week. I want to work that, the next weekend, right? <laughs> so that's that's the the next goal right now is learning to replace our income making these type of decisions. And it, it- that's, and that's really that's really one of the reasons why I definitely wanted to kind of get you on is because I think for a lot of us right now I'm lunch learning to me I'm really kind of talking to the you know the health professionals right now but again if whatever professional you're in it's probably the same boat is that for a lot of us because we can't even imagine right people going through the process of paying down debt. And then working to acquire assets that will pay them, like we think it's not attainable at all. And and that's, again, I've been, like I said, I've been a a proud member of the Docs Outside the Box tribe for like, I don't even, was it three years? I don't even know how long it's been. I've been like, I just remember, again, I just remember stumbling across, I I remember the story. I was like, you know, I need to to listen to some more business related podcasts because I just started like thinking like, all right, like. This medicine stuff is cool, right? I love the medicine. Those who know me, I love the medicine. But like, I gotta really start. I'm like, who's who's doing who's doing something out there? And it was it's like someone sent me uh, your, your link, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is it right here. Like this, this is what I'm talking about. Because now, like, I can see, I can visually see someone who's been in my shoes, but said like, hey, I'm also gonna do this as well. And not look that kind of crazy. So I, I that's why I love your story, you and your wife's stories, because it, it allows it allows me to be like, nah, come on, the darkos, like if the darkos do it, right? I know it's possible. And for a lot of us, especially when I was maybe in medical school, even a resident, like I didn't even think the type of conversations that we have now are even possible. And that's why we appreciate, you know, what you do, right. With Docs Outside the Box, with Dr. Nidarko, Dr. Nidarko, you know, she's, she's fabulous guys. She does work for pre-med students. She's a, um, she's a special sauce. Yeah. yeah. She's yeah. Phenomenal. And so that's why I love the kind of watching y'all moves because like, I, it lets me know that like, yes, we can do that. And, and if you had to go back, right. Like if you knew what you kind of knew now, like as as a medical, let's say as a medical student, let's say resident, we'll go to resident because you start making money, again, right? Like like like, how different would your life been? Like what what different things would you think you would have done maybe as a resident? Because I won't talk about medical school because maybe you're not working there in medical school and all that. But like as a resident, when you start making a little bit of money, like what, what what are some of your 
your, your thought changes that occur if you kind of had the knowledge that you had now? Well, I think the top two things definitely would be um, from an emotional standpoint. I think that, you know, when you are in a situation where it's very difficult and you feel like you're drowning, you just want to survive, right? And oftentimes that's kind of how I felt in residency. Residency, I think for me, was more difficult than medical school. Right, because mm -hmm. there's the hours that you have to work, there's the knowledge that you have to absorb, there's the surgeries that you have to do. And then there's also the personal component of working with other residents and attendings. And there's just certain things that just you don't necessarily get prepared for in medical school, which is shocking, right? So I think as a result, my personality changed. And I did things that I look back on that I'm like, mm, I'm not very proud of that. I think that I kind of took on the personality of um, not taking on a personality of your oppressor, so to speak, but I took on a certain like locker room personality to survive. And mm. I think that I, rather than be the change that I wanted to be at that moment, I let that situation change me. And I think that if I had known what I know now, I would say, nee, you gotta be, you gotta be comfortable in your own skin. And you got to be able to accept the fact that you're different, you know, like this doesn't work for you and just remain who you are because ultimately that is a behavior that is learned and it's going to take some time if you continue to do this to unlearn it, which is what I had to do, right? I had to unlearn that. But the number two thing th that I would do is I would have started investing in, in, in residency, right? Because when you're making over six figures and, you know, you're trying to pay off debt or you have kids or what have you you feel like you can't make a mistake, right? You feel like the stakes are higher, uh. right? But when you're a resident and you're just by yourself and maybe you're making $40,000, yes, you need that money. But if you're investing with maybe a hundred bucks or 200 bucks and you're making mistakes of, well, maybe I should buy this stock. Should I buy Apple or should I buy Google or should I buy Tesla? If you make a smaller mistake, the stakes aren't as high. And I think that what I did was I was so like, who cares? I'm not worried about that right now. I'll be making so much money. All of these decisions will kind of just, you know, fix themselves as soon as I graduate, right? I.e. living my life like it starts after a certain point that I didn't practice that muscle. I didn't utilize that muscle of investing. So definitely if I could do it again, I would have kept my personality the same way it was. I would not have allowed residency to change me. But also at the same time, I would have started investing more. I would have started making more mistakes. I would have opened up a Roth IRA. All of these different things I would have just started experimenting with so that when it was time to really make these bigger decisions, I'm ready to go. I can hit the ground running. I love it. And so before, before we let you go, let's tell the people where they can find you, what you're working on, they, they, if you got something, they can work with you. Like let, let's 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 give all the the folks your details there before before I get you out of here. Sure, sure. Listen once again to Dr. Barry. This is amazing. Like you've built an amazing platform, and it seriously is an honor for me to be on your platform. And um, I'm really proud of everything that you've done, the grind, where you at. I love it. Um, so if people it. want. If people want to hear real doctors talk about real talk, how to pay off your debt, how to live the life that you want, um, you know, in a real fashion, then I recommend listening to my podcast, Docs Outside the Box, where you're listening to Dr. Barry's podcast. The app that you're using is the same way that you could find my podcast, which is on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, if you want to learn more about me, you can go to drneedarko.com. 
if you want to see me on IG, I'm Dr. Nee Darko on most so, on social media at Dr. Nee N I I D A R K O. And um, I'm working on, or actually, I have a podcasting course that I recommend that people take a look at. Just go to my homepage, drnedarko.com, and you can learn more about my course. Um, but I think it's really important that more and more people start doing what you're doing, what I'm doing, which is podcasting, developing their own platform, and giving, you know, really. Uh, credence to the fact that doctors and other healthcare professionals were not just like these worker bees, right? Like we mm. actually have yes. a voice and we can control the conversation and we can talk about anything and really, you know, know what we're talking about, whether it's, you know, with SARS, whether it's with, you know, coronavirus, whether it's the COVID vaccine, whether it's with, you know, um, entertainment, whatever it is, you know, we have a say and we can carry our own weight in that. So I, I definitely suggest if anybody's interested in podcasting, check out the podcasting course. You know, I definitely, I definitely agree. And again, uh, you know, lunch learning community when again, because I had no clue, right. I just knew that I wanted to do something different and just hearing, you know, because I remember I probably binged like 40, it was like a whole bunch. I just kind of, I was just listening back to back to back. And I'm just like in awe of seeing all of these healthcare providers doing some like crazy, like what I thought was crazy things to be doing as a healthcare provider. And like, imagine, like I said, I'm, I'm telling you guys, you're not listening to me right now. If I likely did not listen to this guy's podcast. So please, if you are thinking like you, and again, like I'm in medicine, right? I like talking about medicine. So a lot of my extracurricular stuff usually evolves around medicine. But if you, uh, again, wherever you're filled in and you feel like, yeah, I want to get my voice out there too. Please check out this podcasting course. Um, I you you will not regret it. Um, your voice is needed, right? And that's one thing that I had to learn, right? That your voice is needed. We seem to think that, like, oh, they already got someone talking about blank. They already got someone talking about blank. Nope. Like, but you're not talking about it. And if you're not talking about it, then your community that you want to serve does not know like that you need to know that. So please check out his course. Again, remember all links will be in the description. So if you're driving in the shower, cooking, whatever you're doing, um, we'll definitely make sure all of the links will be in the description for you. Um, Cause again, if, if you want to be where, again, I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to catch where Dr. Nee Darker is. Like, again, that's, I'm behind, but I'm, I'm, I'm running, right? Like, so if you want to get there, right? You want to be where I'm at, Please hop hop on this course for sure. Again, Dr. Darko, thank you for uh, blessing the Lunch Learn community. Again, thank you for serving as, even if you don't even realize it, serving as a motivating factor for a lot of people behind you who may not be, who, who may not have a voice to say like, nah, Dr. Darko, like, I, I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you very much, Dr. Barry. Really, really means a lot. And I'm going to send that $50 check for you being my hype. <laughs> appreciate it. All right, guys. See y'all next week. Thank you for getting to the end of the episode. I am yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre, favorite board-certified internist. Like always, remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star review, and more importantly, share this to at least two of the five of your friends and family members that you know that could be empowered with the words that you heard today. Again, so appreciative of all you guys' support. See you guys next week.